Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here with Dan Van Kirk. Yes. From Dumb People Town, and we've got Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. Adam Conover on the show this Hello. week. Hello. Good time in Dumb People Town, right? I mean, you like to make people smarter. When they finish watching your show That's what and try to do. listen to your podcast, they try and be smarter. We are going to not be focusing on those people in this, <laughs> in this episode. No, but we are going to focus on possibly the greatest eyewitness to any one of our stories. Mulver. 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 The first story Mulver. has one of the greatest Dumb People Town characters everywhere ever and he didn't actually do anything wrong <laughs> check it out today's episode is brought to you by last rampage the new true crime film starring robert patrick heather graham and bruce davison and we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie hi my name is heather graham and i'm playing dorothy tyson in the movie the last rampage the Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison, and uh, it's a very dark story, and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife, and I'm super loyal and devoted to him, even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world. One thing I think is interesting about the movie is a lot of these movies, they tell a story about like, oh, this rebellious guy who was this cool gunslinger and, you know, he did it all these wrong things, but he did it for the right reason. And I think this story sort of turns that story on its head because it's got, at first you think he's a cool guy, but then you're like, no, this guy is just like a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic jerk. I like stories about real people. I think sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that happens, you just go, I can't believe this is real, but it's real. And then if you do more research, it's even stranger than the stuff they put in the script. It's just like, sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash LastRampageFilm. This episode of The X-Files Files is brought to you by Squarespace. Go to Squarespace.com slash X-Files Files for a special discount. Hey guys, um, so the guest this time is Emily V. Gordon, who you guys all know from this podcast. Uh, she did the letters episode with me and a lot of people were like, hey, you gotta have her back. And I was like, yeah, definitely. And I wanted to give her the season finale and the season two opener. But then I was talking to her and she basically, she said that she would rather do sort of one-offs because, you know, she loves the show, but she's not as, um, you know, encyclopedically uh, informed about it as many of us are. So I think she was a little afraid she was going to get some details wrong or something. So basically, uh, she is talking about uh, Blood and Sleepless, which I think are two... Um, I like both of these episodes. Um, so uh, you're going to uh, hear you know, our uh, take on that. And uh, 
please keep emailing me, thexfilesfiles at gmail.com. Really great emails I'm getting. And at xfilesfiles on Twitter, the subreddit, uh, the xfilesfiles subreddit uh, has a lot of great conversation going on, so please do that. Oh, and one thing I should mention is that a few weeks ago I did a Mark Snow episode, and we, obviously Mark Snow is the guy who did the music for it, and we released it at a different time, so I think a lot of people didn't catch on. It wasn't a Wednesday release, it was a Monday bonus release. So go back and listen to that episode if you missed it. It's a really great episode, he's a really great guy, and it's really... Really, uh, his story of how he came up with it and his, his whole journey with the X-Files, I think, is uh, really, really interesting and really, really exciting. Um, also, go to iTunes and please uh, vote uh, with your stars. Give us five stars. If you give us good reviews, you know, we can sort of stay higher up in the ratings, in the, in the rankings, and uh, get uh, more awesome guests. So, uh, here's Emily Gordon. Welcome to X-Files Files, The X-Files Files. I'm your host, Kamel Nanjiani. Uh, Emily Gordon is back. Hi, everybody. Maybe I should call myself something else, like guide. You know how people do that? Host? I'm your guide. I'll be your specter. I'll be your specter I'll through be the your Jesus. world of the paranormal. And then sometimes you'll look down and there'll only be one set of tracks in the, the moon dust. Moon dust? Because it's aliens? Yeah. Okay. And then that's when I'm following you. No, wait. <laughs> that's not right at all. This is not good. <laughs> there were two sets of tracks. One about 10 paces behind because I was following you. I think that's good. That's uh, a good. That's a very good footprint analogy for aliens and podcasts. Thank you so much for coming, Emily. Oh, thank you. I um, live here. How did you, <laughs> how did you find the place? <laughs> oh, thank you. I live here. I meant coming on the podcast, you weirdo. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having um, me. So we watched, uh, by the way... Uh, most requested return guest, Ooh. you, and Rhea Butcher. Most requested return So guests. in an alternate universe, you married Rhea. I don't you... think that alternate universe exists. <laughs> I don't think so either. For a hundred reasons. <laughs> but two big ones. What are those? She's gay. Okay. Yeah. And we're and already And I would married. never marry her. Why? Because I don't, I'm not, you know, what? Because I'm not in love with her. I'm in love with you. Okay. I, I like that. Is that good? Your voice Great. just gets higher and higher. Great. As you try so to you work were just out. staring daggers <laughs> at me. <laughs> you freaked me out. I was trying to figure out how you were going to get out of you became, this conversation. Yeah, I know. That's what was scary. <laughs> so we watched two episodes last night we together. Did. Or two nights ago. Blood. Blood. And uh, Sleepless. Have you guys talked about how they come up with titles for episodes? No. I think it's interesting. I think every show has a different, uh, every TV show has a different like thing they do. Yeah. Like Orange is the New Black, it's always dialogue that someone says. A line of dialogue, yeah. Um, Friends, it's always the one with. The one with. Yeah. The turkey. Yeah. yeah. But um, do, they the, have very interesting names, X Files. They do well. They do. They'll sometimes do a lot of like sort of pretentious ones. Like they'll yes. get more and more. Like they'll use Latin and stuff, which I really like. Um, and I've, you know what other show did that? Breaking Bad. Yes. Yeah, the Similar, naming yeah. the naming of Breaking Bad titles is exactly like the naming of X Files. Absolutely, the cold open thing. We've we've talked about this on the show. We've discussed. So it. let's talk first about Blood, mm -hmm. directed by David Nutter, who's a big X Files director. Teleplay by Glenn Morgan, James Wong, big X Files guys. I mean, this is like you know in house shit. Yeah. This is the dream team. Um, how did you? What did you think of this episode? I thought it was really good. I liked it a lot. I, I know as we were watching it, uh, you mentioned that n neither of the episodes we watched are considered like two of the greats. Uh, yeah, they're not considered like classics, either of them. Yeah, but they both were, were very good. Neither of them were bad. But you could kind of, uh, I think it's interesting to watch the shows that are, are the like 
just kind of their shows. They weren't great. They weren't terrible. They were just kind of there. But often they introduce uh, new characters yeah. that will become important. But or maybe kind of it's just that I'm such an X-Files fan. I ended up really, really liking both these episodes, even though I can understand that they're not among, you know, the top 20 Absolutely. best episodes or whatever. I feel the same way. Uh, in both of them, really great casting. In this one, the guy who plays the, the main guy, Daryl, he was my other brother, Daryl. From you, New that's Heart? from New Heart, yeah. and he's also the toy maker. He has such a sad little guy face. In Blade Runner, yeah, he's such great casting because yeah. he's a totally sympathetic weirdo. There's clearly something weird about this guy. Yeah. Um, something mildly off-putting, but you still kind of want to take care of him. And something like, but if you like woke up and he was smelling your shoes, you'd be like, I, I shame know. on me. Shame on, shame on me. <laughs> Should not it's, have let him in. It's something like threatening and non-threatening yeah. about this guy. And that's why it works. I thought that opening scene was so good where he's uh, typing in the numbers over and over. I, again, also a nod to going postal, which was a big thing in the 90s. Yes. That doesn't really happen anymore. Why does it not? I, it's so interesting. I don't want it to happen now. Yeah. But uh, maybe they improve working conditions. I don't know. I think any job where you're doing like just tedious tasks over and over. Yeah. I feel like it sets you up for some murder. I thought that scene was, yeah, now later when I get to the end of this episode, I'll talk about how they sort of came up with the idea for the, they had like three or four different ideas oh, that fun. combined into one episode. Um, and that certainly was one of them, the going postal thing. I thought that scene was so well directed with the numbers flashing. There's something so unsettling about that scene. And I realized watching this, um, I am not good where uh, it's scenes where people get fired. Okay, so I should I should mention this. Sure. People always wanted to recap. Blood is where, oh, yes. in the beginning, uh, people start sort of getting weird messages from their uh, from their electronic devices telling them to kill people, playing on their fears. I realized, <laughs> yeah, this is totally from that era where they're like, technology, computers are gonna fuck fucking fuck, 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 kill us, man. Yeah. They're gonna. But it's not even their fault. Turns out, it's well, other stuff. We're well, not gonna well, get into any of that yet. I realized I don't like scenes where people get fired. It makes me very uncomfortable. Sure. The last I watched was that movie Cheap Thrills, which is really good. Um, in that one, someone gets fired. To me, the hardest one is uh, Full Monty, where the guy gets fired and can't tell his wife. So every day he dresses up and leaves and just kind of oh, walks around. Sad businessman sadness is maybe the saddest of all the sadness. Yeah, yeah. And this one, when he gets fired and he's just like, what about part-time? And the guy's like, no, I'm sorry. You're really good, but you're low man on the totem pole. I thought they did a good job. It can be easy for the boss in that situation to be an asshole. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's just like, I'm sorry. They took up a collection for him. For they God did. Six. hundred bucks. Great. <laughs> not getting you very far. Um, but he had a nice place. I was like, well, maybe you paid this off. I was like thinking about all this, like, how's he going to make his rent next month? But it seemed like he was okay. No, I don't think he's okay. I mean, just he's as far as... not I, okay. I feel like he paid off the house years ago when his wife was still alive. Do you know what I mean? You One think his wife died? You really put a lot into I this have. guy. I was thinking about this guy. Really? I, I wanted him to be okay. That's why this actor is so good. Yeah. There's just that quality about it where you want him to be okay. Forever? Whenever you see that actor, his wife died. Do you know what I mean? He's oh, like, his wife just died like like, a, like like a year ago. Long where, enough to where it's like not immediate pain, but like he's yeah, suffering. He's settled into something. Yeah. But it, it's not enough time that his friends aren't like coming around checking on him yeah. still and giving him free food. Oh, that's the worst part. It's, it's when, like, when all that fades away and then you're just like just left with a dead, a dead wife. All that's left is a sadness. He's also the toy maker in Blade Runner and he has a very similar sort of vibe in that thing. Wife died. Um, so great... Also, that thing when he's... Um, I wonder if it's on his, like, casting. <laughs> Special skills? Do you need a widower? Looks like wife just died. Is it widower or widow? Which one is which? Widower. Okay, widower. Widow is lady. Widower is dude. 
Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Emily. Sorry. <laughs> um, that scene where he's uh, typing in the uh, the zip codes and then the words kill show up. Wouldn't you be like, hey, there's something wrong with this machine? Immediately. Also, you uh, have an issue with this. I do have a huge issue with this. Huge because, issue. Uh, no calculators do this. They would not be able to make the little angular K spokes. It would say heal me. Heal me. Heal me. <laughs> Kill them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, while we were watching that, you kept bringing that up. Like, how is it How is it a slanty? And listen, I'm not one of those people that brings up weird little stuff and then harps on it the entire movie. I watched Army of Darkness with somebody like that, the, and I wanted to kill them the entire movie. They were like, um, that car wouldn't technically be able to run back then. Like, just spinning off into, like, some horrible bullshit uh, nitpicking. I'm not one of those people. However. It did make me laugh that it's, uh, like, they changed the fundamental of how like calculator screens work i bet that there's it wasn't a calculator screen it well, was a but, different kind I mean, of screen you know what I mean. um and then there's the scene in the elevator what's going on sorry and then there's a scene in the elevator where it says kill them all mm -hmm. and then it cuts right to a crime scene tape that was such a great like cut like that's really cool where you see like this guy crowded crowded elevator which is a fear a lot of people have mm -hmm. you don't like it yeah. it says kill them all you look at the guy he's looking around what's he gonna do Cut to crime scene tape. And then there's blood all over the elevator. I, although Such a my great... elevator fights are maybe some of my favorite fights in all of cinema. So I kind of wish we were treated. Although, you know, an elevator fight with that guy would not be as badass as like Captain America taking out a bunch of people. In how I do want to know that Captain America scene is great, but I yeah. do want to know how this guy managed to take everyone <laughs> out. He's just like sort of a putsy guy. Do you think you could kill an elevator full of people? If like, um, you've given... No. Sufficient motivation? I don't think I could kill an elevator full of one other person. I think I would end up just hitting the wall immediately and then be like, damn it. Like my hand would hit the wall. Oh, yeah. Like, Ow! You would drop the remote. <laughs> Not that you have a remote, but I feel like you come up with fun ways to drop remotes and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, little controllers. Little about us. I drop controllers and remotes a lot. And Kumail does not like it any of the time. Well, I do just today, the DirecTV guy came to fix something. And he's like, did you guys do anything wrong? And she's like, no. And then just drops the remote in front of him. <laughs> no, we take good care of our stuff. Smash. Great effort. And last night I went to go throw you a remote. And, and it, like over yeah. underhanded, and instead I it appeared that I just threw it on the floor as hard as I yeah, could. Yeah, doesn't work. <laughs> um, the... The fact that I thought it was cool that the cop talks about how like this town, like suddenly this murder is happening. Mm -hmm. There's this great Stephen King story. Oh, and one of my favorites. What's it called? Something in the water? Is that what it's called? I don't know what it's no, called. No, it's called... But there's a town where they find out that like just violent acts happen more. I think that's a fun like yeah. sort of mystery. Also, I can't believe that suicide by cop is an actual term they use. That's like a technical term. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a... Yeah. It's been around for a while. Um, I liked all. Oh, also, this town seems very like puritanical, where they're like they don't do drugs, they don't drink. This doesn't happen here. You know, the towns where like the cop says that to me are the towns that are always like oh. monsters living underground and gambling and prostitutes. Like I like that those three for you are the same: <laughs> gambling, prostitution, and monsters living underground. That somehow you know, the mayor is like feeding yeah, them like the a pet. Three, the three basic uh, uh, problems for any town. Well, I realize that monsters may not be a thing that are under the town's control, like secretly, but in my head, they are. So I wanted to clarify that. All right. Great. Yeah. Um, I like the uh, what's wrong with right field. I played right field. I would have liked it if the whole episode Mulder was just bringing up like, hey, uh, right field is OK to play, right? I mean, that's cool, right? That's yeah. Fine, it has right? stuff like that that makes yeah. th this show so much better than like procedurals. 
like any of these kinds of shows, you would never see that little. It didn't add anything to the story. It didn't do anything. It, it was just, just a was fun like a little, little moment. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think stuff like that is scripted in the show, or do you think it's? I'm sure that was yeah, scripted. You think so? Yeah, I feel like the show's pretty heavily. This is not like an improv show. It does not feel improv like improv on TV is a fairly new th- new yeah. phenomenon. The last ten years, like Curb and stuff, started at you. It's it's fairly new. Um, I thought any time that those machines would go to like a different. Uh, like kill them all and then when they would kill it it would go back to would you like another transaction yeah. I always thought that was funny Yeah, I don't know why that always Did got you, me so do you do a thing where you come up with theories as the episode goes along and then just watch as they get shot down do you do well, that what I like about this one is a lot of times X-Files episodes you know exactly what's going on there's yes. a monster he's eating livers and now it's just the heroes sort of connecting with what you already know right in this one and what I sort of do like about the whole episode is that you you're always sort of with Mulder and Scully. Like, you know that there's some LED stuff happening, but you really don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And you kind of never find out exactly That's what's going on. That's also interesting to me, too. Uh, I think both the episodes we watched, you kind of are like, try- well, similar to Doctor Who, the best Doctor Who episodes, where you see something crazy happening, and then you're kind of trying to catch up to what's actually going on. Yeah, well, in this one, I thought what they did a good job of was, like, basically... Your problem at the end of it, you said, it just feels like so much infrastructure would go into sending right? things to all these devices, right? Like uh, a calculator. Well, yeah, There's calculator. A literal calculator. Calculator has Wi-Fi. Does your 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 <laughs> my your watch has Wi-Fi? Nothing <laughs> has Wi-Fi right now. And this is a bit that you used to do that I I think you should bring back because it's one of my favorite things to like think about. Most of the bad guys, like the stuff that they're doing to be bad guys in movies and TV shows, just sell that technology. We'll, you, we'll legally give you all the yeah, money. But- if you have the ability to transmit messages through a calculator... Just sell that technology. Someone well, but it is it. the government doing it. They're the ones who, who would you sell it to? I don't government know, already. I feel like you could buy off the government pretty easily. No, the only people that you would sell that technology to is the government. Government already has it. But what I was going to say was, I think what this episode does a good job of is keeping it vague because we find out that there's some pesticide that have been sprayed. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it's on purpose or not. They, right. So there's a way you can spin it that... Uh, that pesticide, one of the side effects that people didn't realize was that it makes you a little more um, Susu- if you're afra- susceptible to your phobias, yes. your pre-existing phobias. So with the woman, her phobia was getting raped. So, so uh, that plays uh, we on that. we got to stop right here. Well, I'm just saying that's what they said, man. No, we got to stop here. Uh, I don't know anyone who doesn't have a fear of getting raped. Okay, I'm it's just... crazy. Like for the dudes, for the two dudes, their phobias are like, oh, those are specific actual blood. Phobia. Yeah, blood and uh, uh, claustrophobia. Yeah, claustrophobia. Those are actual phobias. Yeah, for it's women, like, being it's... like, oh, this crazy dude's cr- afraid of being attacked and killed. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We all are yeah. actually. It turns out. <laughs> Wait, what? All I mean, women, yeah. It's everybody's just, afraid of being her killed. fear is just being a woman. But yeah, her fear. Well, her fear is just like a normal human like concern that sure. other people will prey on you. Right. It's not exactly a phobia. But what but I continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's how this episode yeah. talks about it, right? Um, and so you could say then that Mulder's fear, which is he's paranoid, he thinks people are spying on him, he thinks there's big conspiracies. You could spin it so that those messages were never real. It was just a result of this um, drug that they were exposed to. Because um, at the end, last scene, Mulder gets all done, goodbye. 
Why would they ever send that? That's very scary, but it makes no sense. So Mulder could still be under the effects of the drug. Yes. And it's just sort of the effects of the drug that cause people to have these hallucinations. And it's his own phobia that the truth like is out there. It just makes sense <laughs> yeah. that with if you look at it through the lens of people's phobias, mm -hmm. it would make sense that... Uh, Mulder's phobia is played up, which means it's some crazy conspiracy or something and happening. And if I may ask you, what exactly is his phobia, if you could distill it down? What do you think his phobia uh, well, I is? I think he's just afraid. It's not a phobia. I think he, he, when he says, I want to believe, that's the idea that he wants to believe that there's a bigger conspiracy, well, that there are higher powers at play, sort of, uh, you know, controlling stuff. But I think this is interesting to think about. When you want, you could say that, absolutely, that he thinks that there are higher powers controlling stuff. So what is that fear? Is the fear that you're not a part of it? Is the fear that you're not aware of it? Well, it's also that his sister's missing. So he thinks that if there is some big grand plan, there's a chance she's still alive because she's part of some bigger plan that he doesn't so, understand. There we go. And as a as a therapist, which I was at one point, you're always taught to keep... Do you have any master's degrees? <laughs> just two. Just okay. the two. To keep digging down, keep digging down until you figure out what that base fear is. I, his base fear is my sister may actually be gone yes, and dead. Exactly. That's it. That's the fear. Right. But and it's, it's all built on top of everything this. Everything is but built on... But that's the kernel. Absolutely. But so it makes sense that this drug uh, would sort of... Um, <laughs> Why did you do it? I just thought of that image of DDT being sprayed on kids laughing in a pool. <laughs> <laughs> They're just laughing. What the fuck? And the lady's like sunbathing. Please, more. I love it. Those are real. Yeah. Those are real fucking videos. Yeah, did you look up and find out for sure? I mean, they uh, yeah. looked real. I yeah. looked it all up. And what they did was they combined a bunch of ideas. So this episode, sort of jumping around a little bit, uh, Darren Morgan, who ends up writing some of the best X-Files episodes, it was his idea. He pitched it to his brother, Glenn Morgan, um, but he didn't have time to write it, so they wrote it. So he came up with a bunch of ideas, and the ideas are um, the DDT thing. Yes. He wanted DDT to do, being dangerous. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to do something with that. Um, By the way, and real quickly, I was reading a thing about DDT. So I was, I'm reading this book about bugs uh, called... Wicked Bugs, which I highly recommend. It's a really great book about how bugs uh, are fucked up. And one of the things that they said was, I believe it was DDT, they actually rid, we rid ourselves of the infestation that we were invented before DDT, DDT was before DDT was outlawed. Yeah. That's how long it took. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, so he used that. This is another crazy thing. Uh, and then Chris Carter, and this is all, we'll discuss it later. Uh, Chris Carter wanted to bring in LED stuff, like technology stuff, because he was sort of obsessed with that. And then the irradiated flies thing, remember, that yeah. comes up? That's a real thing. They actually do that, where they sterilize certain flies and they release them into the population. And then they sort of go around and sterilize other flies, and they've actually eradicated certain species of flies in certain areas uh, from it successfully. And that's what they wanted to do. Darren Morgan was jogging one day, and this truck, he just said he was jogging, and this truck stopped, and this guy, like, threw out this in this bucket he just like threw out like thousands of flies so he was just <laughs> watching this truck stop and then like some guy releases thousands of flies and he was like what the fuck is going on and it sort of reminds me of when dean Hagelin was on he was talking about how they saw this truck going with all this uh police around it they had no idea what was on it but that's the kind of shit you see it in a small town you're like what the fuck yeah. is that they were hoping nobody would notice they're uh, just doing it yeah like, well but but it's real and yeah. they do it and you know it's not a secret but the fact is that there's crazy little shit like that going on that we have no idea oh, about yeah. a lot of it's secret a lot of it isn't but that's the kind of shit that fuels conspiracies so well yeah and i think the best of x-files is when they take real stuff 
and then they graft like you know a little more supernatural, a little crazier shit on top of it. And so I think the DDT thing is such a great starting point for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I will say, uh, first off, we sterilize human beings uh, just like we do uh, flies, release them back. Uh, so that's a fucked up thing. What we sterilize uh, often, hospitals will sterilize women. If they have had uh, too many children, are they allowed to do that? They it do is it a secretly? huge problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. They do it. What they do is say, "We're going to do this. This is your birth control plan," and then they'll do it really without getting any their explicit permission uh, whatsoever. Oh it's shit! Up. Look it up. So if you want to think about a conspiracy, that's one. Uh, it's but gross. that's not a high up conspiracy. That's no, like rogue doctors. That's right? some like doctors. Just, <laughs> but it's it is a practice that happens. It's pretty it's pretty fucked up. Um, my only 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 issue with this episode really is that. Yeah. I could have used an entire episode just about LED, like technology, like 90s technology, giving people messages. I could have had an entire episode just about that. And then I could have had an entire episode just about DDT and paranoia. Yeah. I could have had those two episodes separately. There was an 80s horror movie that I loved. It's called Pulse. And I know there's other movies called Pulse. There's a newer a, one, yeah. Uh, I think there's one, but yeah, there's one since then, yeah. Uh, and this one was just about this kid who um, would start like getting weird messages, like the electronics in his house started fucking up, and they like moved into this modern house. And one, the horror, most horrifying scene in it, the mom taking a shower, and the hot water just keeps going hotter and hotter, and she gets locked into the shower, and it just burns to death. Yeah. Like melts to death. That movie really, really horrified me. Yeah. Um, and at the end of it, the house, spoiler alert, the house burns down, and they're like cackling. The whole family's like, we did it. We got rid of it. We, are, we fixed it. And it's just this pulse that lives in the wires, and you can like hear it. I would have loved, and maybe one exists, a whole episode that's just about like something living in the wires. Yeah. Communicating. Yeah. Well, I mean, X-Files did this a lot where they combined like a couple of disparate yeah. ideas. Like the next episode, Sleepless, they also talk about how they combine disparate ideas. And they ideas. combined them incredibly well. I'm just yeah. saying both of those ideas could have been separate episodes because they're yeah. both really cool ideas. Yeah, but I, I also like that they combine these different things into one. Um, and I think it makes a little more plausible and believable that there's not just like a ghost there's a movie called i believe ghost in the machine not the big anime manga mm -hmm. ghost in the machine but another one where there's a serial killer that dies and instead of going in a doll like chucky he ends up in like the wiring of a house or something i think that's where ghosts if ghosts were smart they would move into the wireless yeah wi-fi ghosts ghosts wi are wi-fi I just blew my own mind. Oh my god! Can we please yeah. write uh, a thing of Wi-Fi ghosts? Yeah. Wi-Fi ghosts. I think that was a. I like that exchange with Mulder and Scully. Now, what's happening is because they're not working together, they're not actually together a lot. They're on the phone, but still, their chemistry so good it comes oh. across. Where he mentions something about UFO abductees, and she goes, "I was wondering when you were going to get to that." <laughs> and he says, "I find no evidence of that to be the case." Where they, it's it's they're all like. They're not talking directly there. She's reading his field reports. Mm -hmm. So I like that thing where they're sort of talking indirectly. You see her reacting to what he wrote earlier. And also, weirdly, her pregnancies, I think she had multiple throughout, like... Well, this is the first one. Uh, yes. Uh, her pregnancy, I feel like, adds a bit of the romance to the show because they're so far... They're separated and they can only yeah. really communicate this way. Yeah, it certainly yeah. does. And uh, the next few episodes we talk about, that sort of becomes an even bigger issue. It sort of comes to the forefront a little bit is them really trying to connect. And uh, so then the few scenes that they do have together really are really great. Yeah. Um, 
crackling. The, the woman with the uh, the woman who shows up. By the way, the woman in the episode who goes to the mechanic. Emily's rolling her eyes. She's a porn star. Camille, media, when he saw her the name, name is Ashlyn Gear. At the beginning of the episode, when he saw her name as a guest star, he went, "Ooh, porn star." <laughs> yeah, she's. This was a long time ago. Can I say something? She just sort of reminds you know takes me back to baby Camille. That's all. Baby Camille looking at a little baby porn. Yeah, Would not be- not oh. baby porn. <laughs> Regular porn, baby Kumail. But I'll just say this about it. <laughs> she was, you know, she was, she was... She did good? Yeah, she gets after it, you know. Does she get after it? She you was, were so excited when she, she came was on screen. She was good at her job. Her being cast in that show, I'm going to go ahead and 100% say it was David Duchovny. I looked it up. Okay. I don't know that. She was an active porn star at the time. Ooh. She won like best porn actress the year after this. Because David Duchovny has basically been in Californication his whole life as a human being. And I No, <laughs> come on. He's a sex guy. Oh, everybody's a sex guy. He's an extra sex guy. Everyone's an extra sex Didn't person. Didn't he go to rehab for sex addiction? Yeah, that's what the... Uh, Emily, we're not, I'm not... Let he who is without blame. Absolutely. Clap. I'm not... No judgments. I'm just saying I am 100% sure that he, okay. when they There's were casting... There's no way it, that he had the pull to be like, listen, he guys. He's the star of the show. Weird idea. She probably wanted the work. Maybe he showed him the, them the video. Like, look, she gets after it. <laughs> look how hard she commits. And, and, and also, is it... There's some weird subtext to a, a porn star playing a character who's afraid of being raped. I don't know. I thought of that. That just feels like a... Big, feels like a weird leap. You have to know yeah. so much. But yeah. that scene is really scary. Like uh, you were saying, like, how is the mechanic fixing the car the when dark? it's so dark? <laughs> Turn some lights on. And Again. then when he's like, come here, stand next to me. Like mechanics should not talk like that Never. to women. It wasn't, he wasn't doing anything threatening, no. but it was all like vaguely threatening. It was kind of scary. Threatening. It was way too dark. You need light to look under a hood. It's also the first time that it's her react it's a it's a person reacting to a perceived threat rather than a person being the aggressor like yeah. with the guy in the elevator he's being the aggressor but he was the perceived threat was that he can't breathe and so the response i guess was- it wasn't a person wasn't the perceived threat True. it was a general phobia yeah. like that guy blood for him it's blood by the way for a guy who's afraid of blood he's around it a lot around he's, it a lot uh, there's blood drives happening where he's going <laughs> it's on the news they're ringing his doorbell hello yeah. we need some blood <laughs> that woman rang doorbell like a fucking crazy person. That was the worst doorbell ring I've ever oh, heard. Oh, God. Come on. Don't answer um, But what I said, they, they, they did a good job, and I talked about this with you while we were watching, is that it, it's an episode where there's no real... Like, the X-File is sort of vague and ethereal, and it's out there. They do a good job of adding a ticking clock with this guy mm-hmm. who's um, sort of stressed out, and he's sort of getting more and more unwound as the episode goes. Uh, unwound I don't know if that's uh, wound up he's getting whatever it is he's sort of descending down the rabbit hole more and more so they did a good job of like well they can't prevent the general thing but they can prevent this one one guy guy from doing something it really gave like a spine to the episode and sort of gave a story like a face to the danger that's true because solving because you only know about these once they happen solving this mystery isn't it's not going to look like anything in particular. So you need like one specific guy that you yeah, can... And yeah. And you just need to sort of have a ticking clock. Like if this shit is just ha- randomly happening, how are they going to prevent it? Yeah. Well, they can't, you know, it's like we can follow the one person who yeah. hasn't like been affected by it. I thought that was fun. Um, LSD was actually used in real experiments too. Do you yeah, know anything about true. that? No, I just know that they did that in... Um, they did that like in the 50s. And then now I think they're using it to treat... I want to say Alzheimer's, like they're they're starting to use LSD and I think mushrooms to treat 
I think it's Alzheimer's, but I might be incorrect. Um, and they're getting good results. They're like trying it again. They're giving LSD to Alzheimer's people? Somehow it's like sh- part of um, dementia. It's being used to treat dementia. And part of dementia, um, dementia can sometimes be, and this is kind of anecdotal, snapped out of it if you if they the person experiences uh, a, a brief trauma. So for, for example, my grandmother, when she broke her hip, was like lucid for the first time in like a while. For how long? Lasted a few weeks. Wow. And then it went back. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, did she get cured? No. So LSD is their trauma? I And I, this is completely me speculating because I haven't seen the research, but I just anecdotally, I know that's the case. So I'm kind of curious that's if that's so how they're using it. so interesting. Like a big thing that would happen in like Indian movies, Bollywood movies, is that someone would get hit on the head and they would go nuts. They would go crazy. Then they'd get hit on the head again and they'd turn normal. Oh, yeah. But it's like an on off switch. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just you should have tried it. It's like kicking the tires. But I guess maybe it does come from somebody was, you know, out of it, had that dementia and they got hit. And that sort of jarred them back into being normal. Completely for a while. speculating. But to me, it feels like almost like a fight or flight. Sure. Like you you're allowed to be distracted. Yeah. Let your brain distract you until something really traumatic happens. And yeah. You kind of snap back into it. Don't know. This episode also has a big sense of like, you know, on the TV, you see like Rodney King, OJ, Manson, Reginald Denny. It's got that feeling of like a sort of, you know, man, the world's falling apart. Didn't they mention OJ early on in the episode? They mentioned celebrities Uh driving on the highway with a gun to their heads? Yeah, he said that that doesn't happen in this town. The sheriff did. It's so sanctimonious. Fuck you, man. Shit's happening in your town. Of course it is. I mean, horrible shit is happening. you think you're better than fucking OJ town? Um, And then the lone gunman come back, which is good. Like when it's these super shadowy, crazy, vague things, those are the guys you can bring in to be like, yeah, you didn't read our new... He called they call uh, uh, you didn't obviously you haven't read our August edition of TLG they just call it TLG I think that's how cool. are they putting it out is my question where was it going it's probably zines right I'm definitely thinking zines but I knew growing up zines would be in coffee shops they'd be at punk clubs where in the fuck are the lone gunman, gunman putting their zine yeah like it would have to be in like a pharmacy, a dark yeah, pharmacy. Yeah, they just go leave it somewhere. But, you know, they say that there's like these sort of groups of people who are big into like figuring this kind of shit out. And so it makes sense that, you know, that's they're in these circles, you know. But I just pre-internet, it's always interesting. And they had a little bit of it, but pre-internet seeing how people got together. Uh, who had similar oh, yeah. interests that were that that's the lone gunmen were definitely online right in the beginning. Do. Yeah. Um, and that one guy. Uh, is still like if I can have Scully's phone number still trying to get at yeah, Scully yeah real wolfing up that tree huh wolfing up that tree is that a thing people say I just said it um, is this also the subliminal messages thing when see was- that's what I'm saying there's so many ideas crammed into one episode there's subliminal messages which to me are the most fascinating things on the planet there's uh, OJ there's LED stuff. The well, the LED stuff bad. and the subliminal stuff is the same. But no, technology fucking with you is different than subliminal messages. Subliminal, to me, is that's someone on, on high. Yeah. I like the idea of technology revolting. Yeah. So that's a separate idea. Uh, and then you have the DDT paranoia stuff. It's a lot of ideas. And then also yeah. OJ. And they, they they talk about like Agent Orange and stuff, how like, you know, we've, we've used stuff. Well, um like government's done like bad experiment stuff. So the idea that something insidious is going on and that they're experimenting on this town in some way, that's another idea mm-hmm. that's in the episode. So it does have a ton of different, like very X-Files ideas. Very X-Files ideas. Um, I wrote, how is the watch talking to anything? It has Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, again, um, 
so so ultimately what do you think oh and the guy going up in the tower that's from obviously a real event that happened yeah that made um, me a little uncomfortable that that was the thing they were so uh, um just referencing so heavily yeah they actually said Thank one goodness, of the he's a terrible shot uh yeah yeah because he's not used to this you know mm-hmm. Um, actually, uh, one of the guys, uh, I forget, Glenn Morgan or James Wong said that they caught a lot of flack for people. They said that that was, uh, that they didn't like that it referenced that event. Yeah, it might've been, I don't know if it was too soon. It just seemed, it's such a direct, like, I mean, it's like that Ninja Turtles poster. Oh, with the 9-11 building, jumping off the buildings. It actually said September 11th on the poster and then nobody thought of that. What? Because it's being released September 11th. That's why it said that. Ninja Turtles is not coming out September 11th. It comes out in August. And another, it must be another, I don't know what it is, but whatever thing. That feels to me like somebody photoshopped it. Somebody photoshopped it in? Yeah, yeah. Because it comes out like August 8th or something. (laughs) Act like you don't know. Um, (laughs) Or something. Anyway, Thursday night tickets. What's that porn star's name? I don't know. (laughs) I am going to know. I knew (laughs) the porn star's name. I just didn't know her name in the thing. Oh, Mulder says at one point, fear is the oldest tool of power. I thought that was a really a cool line. thing. And that's a thing that we still is something like you brought up 9-11. After 9-11, that was a big thing, using fear of the other to sort of motivate, you know, going the into Patriot other Act. countries, attacking yeah. them. The Patriot Homeland Security, all this stuff. like Taking off your shoes at the airport. It's fear that we're somehow okay with them reading all our emails and text messages. I mean... Somebody revealed that the government was doing stuff that was illegal and the person who got in trouble was the person who just revealed the stuff that was illegal. Yeah. I mean, the stuff they're doing right now is like crazy X-Files shit. There's some digital next level shit going on. And we're like, we're completely um, somehow not immune to it, but we're okay with our privacy. We have Twitter and reality shows, so we're fine. We're fine. (laughs) We don't need any of that stuff. Um, We're distracted. This episode contains Darren Morgan's first writing credit. Oh, wow. Um, him and he, he told him the idea. Yeah, the genesis of the story was from films Darren Morgan had seen of pesticides being sprayed on unknowing populations by a government who said this was good for you. And what the effect of our government spraying may be now on some level. Um, Glenn Morgan told his brother, do something about the post office. Uh, he said they started developing the installment with a single note, postal workers. So they brought in so many they ideas. Really You're right. It's a real hodgepodge episode. <laughs> uh, the writers subsequently combined the notion of involving mail workers with a news story concerning Malathian spraying in Southern California. Um, that's Just another like live. pesticide that they were spraying that people had a bad, were like, what the fuck? We don't know uh, what this is. Uh, and then Chris Carter wanted to do an episode which involved uh, digital readouts. Uh, Glenn Morgan said, we were thinking, what do you have in your house? What do you have that you're going to deal with every day that scares you? Um, and yeah, the irradiated flies thing, they talk about how he sort of saw that happening. They love William Sanderson. That's the guy who plays um, uh, the main guy. Oh, the, that's the, his the, name. I didn't the, the sad guy. Uh, they liked him, Glenn Morgan. Um, and then James Wong, who's always been very critical of his own stuff, he says, I liked the idea of the show and I really liked William Sanderson. I don't think it was the most successful, but it wasn't the worst. Uh, Chris Carter, who's always very positive, said, I think it works because it feels like it can happen in your own backyard. They said a Nielsen rating of 9.1. Jesus. Really high. It was viewed by 8.7 million households. Still pretty low on the list of hit shows. I have a question. I wonder yeah. if people with schizophrenia who do often receive messages from from various media. I wonder if they watched The X-Files back then. 
Oh, if that was like a bad well, thing there, for them they to had watch. to be like, oh, Jesus Christ. See? I was See? right. I was right. That had, wow. This stuff's happening. Just the thought of that is blowing my mind. I'm kind of in love with that idea. Um, so usually I read like messages, the, the, the message what boards. But for whatever reason, from 9.15 to like 9.18 or 10.18, the first month of season two, all the messages are gone. What are they hiding, Kumail? I don't know what they're hiding. Kumail? But it's interesting. I was looking today. So the next two episodes, um, which are Dwayne Barry and Ascension, probably my favorite two-parter. The messages are back, which is good because it's very important to know what happens, how people feel. Very important. Very important. It is important <laughs> that people find out, yeah. that we find out what their reaction to that were. But I also found some things people being like, hey, I can't find these messages. They're missing. Like, So something happened for whatever reason, that whole month of messages are wiped out. Kumail, there's definitely something going on here. What do you think it is? It is a message encoded. Redacted. Redacted. Wow, that's really spooky. And a bummer, because I would have liked to have seen what people thought of this episode. Because at that point, when did this come out? What was the premiere date? Um, This is like uh, September 94. 94. Uh, I mean, it was right after OJ. I don't know if the trial had started or not, but like people were... Oh, the trial, I think, was over the summer... Yeah, so I think it was the summer of 94. So I feel like OJ fever was pretty high. Yeah. Uh, so it's, people probably like that yeah. little nod. Yeah. Yeah, would be interesting. I mean, they, they do that thing where there's like a bunch of TVs set up and news on a bunch of TVs. That's how every movie and TV show does. It's like the scary. world is falling apart. Yeah. One of the coolest ones I remember is Watchmen, the original book that Alan Moore wrote, the comic book, graphic novel. That has a really, uh, the way it conveys this sense of like the world falling apart, it does it really well. And I thought this episode did a decent job on a much smaller scale of showing like things are getting fucked up and maybe it's because the government's up to some shit, you know? Yeah, and I also think that's why I like that inclusion of the uh, DDT being sprayed on the kids and on the happy women because uh, it's such a sad thing to see like older adults I'll even say my parents go from like a childhood and like a semi-adulthood where they're like, trust the government. They won't do us any harm. They're our government. To like this slow realization of like, oh, well, maybe they're not actively out to get us, but they don't really give a shit. Right. Like, and that's such a bummer. I feel like we've watched that happen. Not we as like since I've been alive, but like since, you know, TV and movies have been around, we've kind of watched that thing happen. Right, um, just the the not the untrustworthy of the government, and how sad because you want to be able to you know have like know that someone's looking out for you. And no, but that no. trust was never well founded. They oh, were, that's not, when they no. were doing the craziest shit, yeah. like the Tuskegee Airmen and stuff. Oh, they really came up with some horrible fucked up shit to do when they were like, "It's cool, we got some time." <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's also, and I this is not true of the Tuskegee experiment whatsoever or anything else that heinous, but. Some of the most important psychological discoveries that we've ever made were made before uh, we had the IRB to, like, regulate the safety of Oh, I'm sure. I mean, a lot of the Nazi experiments helped with the space program, but that doesn't justify what they did. Certainly not. Baby Albert, uh, actually, Baby Albert's one of the pioneers of phobias. Do you know about Baby Albert? Well, this guy basically raised his child to have, like, a ton of different phobias. It wasn't even his child. It was a kid that they just, like... Found? I don't know. I don't actually know where Baby Albert came from, but if you just Google Baby Albert, uh, the photos you see are so sad. They basically raised this kid to have a ton of phobias, A ton of phobias. And then they were like, oh, it turns out if we, like, show a kid a teddy bear and scream at him constantly he will turn, end up being afraid of teddy bears. Weird, huh? 
But we would not have discovered any, I mean, we would have other ways, but that's how we know about phobias is because of baby Albert. Yeah, one kid's life was completely it's fucked up. It's a horrible up. thing. There's a great story about, um, it's called, I, I forget who, I think it's Ur Ursula Le Guin, but I'm not sure, might not be, but it's called Those Who Walk Away from Omelas. It's only like a four or five page story. And what it describes is this town, there's a parade and everyone's really happy and dancing and joyful. And they said, you know, it, it says... And this isn't like some sort of fake joy. This is real joy. Everyone is truly happy. Everyone is excited. And this is real, true happiness. This isn't just surface. And it describes this amazing, beautiful parade. Everyone's dancing, having a great time. And this is every day. This happens in this town every day. Then it cuts to a basement. And there's like an eight-year-old kid there who is put through horrible, like, tortures. And somehow the happiness of the well, town the is dependent thing. on this kid being tortured. And everyone knows it. Everyone knows that all their happiness comes from this kid's sadness. It's one kid. And then it describes at the end of the uh, every night, two or three people leave the town and walk away because they can't handle it. It's called those who I walk mean, away there's from a, I mean, there's some, some of that shit's in Snowpiercer. Uh, yeah. No spoilers. Sure. And One of my favorite Doctor Who episodes uh, with Matt Smith. With the, the whale. Oh, God. With the whale. I mean, that's sort of what animal testing and, you know, baby Albert, obviously, but all that kind of stuff, like, sort of comes, you know, like, how much of what we take advantage of comes from suffering. The pain and exploitation yeah, of and, others. Yeah. And, you know, just because we have great shampoos doesn't mean you should be injecting them in rabbits to make sure you get great shampoos. Really you know? This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code XFILESFILES at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Um, now, all of you know, I've talked a lot about Pied Piper, which is the website that... Um, uh, that my character on Silicon Valley, our character in Silicon Valley, made the HBO show. By the way, you guys should be watching the show. It's on iTunes now. Uh, you can buy the whole season on iTunes. So a lot of people who don't have HBO, this is the first time they'll have access to this show. So please do that. And, um, yeah, uh, I've mentioned that, you know, HBO used Squarespace to make that website. Oh, another thing that's awesome is that the Google founders, you know that challenge that everyone's doing where they're dumping ice water on their heads? The sound founders of Google, Larry and Sergey, I think I'm saying their names right. Pretty sure I got Larry right. Um, they did that ice bucket challenge, and they wore Silicon Valley shirts. One wore a Huli shirt, one wore a Pied Piper shirt, which is really awesome. They clearly like decided to wear these shirts. Um, so yeah, and you know, HBO used Squarespace to make the website. So if it's good enough for HBO and good enough for the people who founded Google, for God's sake, they've changed the internet. Uh, it's good enough for you. Uh, it's very simple, very easy to use. They have a lot of beautiful designs. You can drag and drop content. You know, that's we live in a drag and drop world. Drag something, drop it. <laughs> that's my catchphrase for it. They have 24-7 support through live chat and email. Uh, the offices are located in New York, Dublin, and Portland. Plans start at just $8 a month. They include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Um, and every uh, purchase comes with a free online store. So you can make your, you know, sell whatever you want to sell. You can really great nail clippers you make. You make really great X-File stuff. Well, I, I don't know, maybe that's copyright infringement. So I, I don't don't do that but start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today and when you sign up for uh, squarespace use the offer code xfilesfiles or go to squarespace.com slash xfilesfiles 
You get 10% off your first purchase, and that's how you show support for this show, The X-Files Files. And, you know, Dustin, uh, the guy who runs uh, Feral Audio, works so hard on this, and he really the only money he makes comes from these things. So support him. We want to thank Squarespace for the support of The X-Files Files. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. The next episode is Sleepless, written by Howard Gordon, directed by Rob Bowman. Rob Bowman, huge X-Files director, directed the first movie, Howard Gordon. Uh, Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza wrote a ton of great X-Files episodes together. This is his first episode on its own. Oh, no relation to me. No relation that to I'm me. Aware. Gordon, a fairly common name, turns out. Turns out. <laughs> and uh, this episode has Tony Todd, Candyman. Oh, my God. Uh, again, amazing casting. Amazing You casting. cast that guy, and you've already made sure that it's going to be one grade above the creep factor is yeah. gonna be not like he's creepy he is creepy but he's, he's got, got a, a creep he's got a great presence he's got Amazing. a very he's got a great voice he's got a great face it's gonna elevate like a c to a b b to an a he remember he when he turned up on all the um uh god the movies where bad things happen and it's a series of random yeah events. final destination they, yes when he turns up in those great yeah yeah he's great elevates he's the guy you want to listen to yeah also if you think of it oh, this is the one where they find out that certain soldiers had been experimented on to make them super soldiers so that they never had to sleep he sort of has the vibe of a guy who hasn't slept in 24 years yeah, they did not have to add any makeup yeah to how the, yeah exactly how the last guy i th- thought you you said like the casting call was like people with huge bags under their eyes <laughs> The last episode, that guy has the vibe that his wife died a year ago. <laughs> this guy has the vibe that he hasn't slept in 24 years. I thought the opening, the cold open, such great visual storytelling. You just see the scar on the base of his neck. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck, something happened. They, never do, they don't have to say anything about it. You just see it. And you know some crazy shit has been happening. Um, again, big uh, uh, theme of this episode is government fucking with people. Government fucking with people, and then uh, it, this episode also had shades of V for Vendetta in it, a little bit. Yeah, of people who've done bad shit in the past being paid Coming for back it, to, like atone for their sins, whatever. I thought one of the cool things about this one was, I think you said it, or we talked about it while we were watching it, is that all the people who are dying. So they're being killed because they did horrible stuff 24 years ago. They they were experimented on uh, so that they wouldn't have to sleep. And then that slowly fucked with them. And they just basically went and killed Came a bunch violent, of kids. Yeah. yeah, They're all, it's all people being killed who kind of want to be killed. Like that's sort of the one interesting thing about it is mm. that all these people, they don't really fight back. There's the scene where he, Tony Todd brings in the, the little Vietnamese kids and they shoot the guy. He's very scared, and then for a moment before they start shooting, he gets this like peace in his eyes. He like yeah. closes his eyes, and he's like, "All right." And uh, it, it feels like these guys are sort of okay. They know that they did fucked up stuff. They yeah. have tortured lives, and they're okay being killed. It's a relief to have your guilt assuaged. In a way, it's kind of a righteous crusade that the Tony Todd guy, preacher, yeah. has, where he's like, "I'm going to kill everybody, then kill myself, because we all deserve to pay for the shit and I we never, did." Just so I'm clear. Tony Todd's preacher, the preacher character, he didn't do anything fucked up, right? It seemed like... No, he did. He was with them. He was with them, but 
I got the sense that he was going back to atone for their sins more than for his Well, own. it's also, if he was with them, which he was, and they were like, he was always like reading from his Bible, like, don't do this. That's all you did? It was yeah. like, hey, guys, let maybe not kill everybody. Shouldn't I'm he gonna, have... I'm going to read from Luke chapter four while you guys are murdering everyone. Okay, see ya. I mean, I'm a super soldier too. I could probably stop you, but I'm not gonna. Gonna read from that Bible. Well, another thing that this really plays into, which is such a real thing, what you hear about, unfortunately, pretty often is soldiers doing horrible stuff in war like you've we've heard of soldiers killing kids in afghanistan american soldiers i mean you know the stories of blackwater that was the private firm that were hired to uh, be in iraq and they did like horrible stuff killed a lot of civilians like yeah this is shit you hear about they work really really hard in in the armed services to make people uh able to take orders to make people they need to to for the army to work they have to be able to take orders and not question them that's part of it right and then that can go awry also, they work really hard to keep a soldier in the mode of being a soldier. They're not looking to create healthy human beings. No, they're... They're looking to create soldiers. Right. That's it. So it doesn't matter uh, whether or not they are getting sleep. Like, the idea that that was... I'm sure somebody's thought of trying to get sleep-deprived soldiers and, and have them work around the clock and have that be more... I'm sure somebody's been working on that. Yeah, and again, we're not saying anything against, you know, people who've served and stuff. That's obviously very not hard. But the whole point is, like, when they say... Uh, there was a new slogan they had, like, I'm an army of one. That is very, very misleading and yeah. incorrect because the whole point is that you're all together. You all wear the same, you, you all wear the same uh, outfits. You all, outfits, that's what I call them. <laughs> they all have the same looks. Um, they all uh, answer the same way. You're supposed to be one unit. Yeah, you're not yeah. supposed to be an individual. Absolutely. That's how armies work is like making a big army. Yeah. Um, I have amazing respect for armed services. My uh, my uncle was right. killed. Uh, my father served. I my grandfather served uh, in in World War Two. Uh, I have amazing respect for it. But when I worked as a therapist, uh, as a phone therapist, briefly, um, w- one of our contracts was with people who were overseas. Uh, people who had were in private contracted companies that had been in the armed services. Yeah, and they they kept on being like, "Well, you're not going to get them." to like be emotionally healthy at any point in time, you're there to just handle the immediate crisis and yeah. then move them on because they can't, if they were to try and get emotionally healthy, it's n- being in war is not emotionally healthy. There's no way to There's, come out of yeah. that normal. I mean, and obviously we've, you know, the VA system is so fucked. PTSD isn't, we were talking to, remember we had Jesse Thorne on, mm-hmm. uh, the indoor kids, which is the other podcast <laughs> we do. Um, and Jesse Thorne, I think it was Jesse Thorne who was saying like his dad finally got uh, diagnosed with PTSD and he said it was a good thing because now he can qualify for the yeah. help that he actually needs. And so these hospitals are kind of the VA, kind of set up to not diagnose people with the problems they have because now there's a label on it and now they have to provide care. Yeah. The, um, there's some great organizations, just PSA, that uh, provide animals to work with uh, vets who have returned home. Um, and it helps both the animals and the vets. It's amazing. Uh, they can sense PTSD. They can sense panic attacks. The animals can. They train yeah. them to. Yeah. Amazing organizations. Look them up. Donate to them. Um, so this episode really ties into a lot of fears and sort of concerns that people have. One thing I was like, oh, if I wasn't able to sleep, that'd be so good. Then you think of the idea that these guys haven't slept in 24 years. Horrifying. So horrifying. Yeah. Such a scary fucking proposition. Yeah. Um, and then the uncle from Napoleon Dynamite is one of the guys. He's also Laszlo from Real Genius. One of my favorite characters in all of movies uh it shows up as as another one of this unit who was experimented on by the government um and uh some they're real bad i mean this they're one tired. Uh, uh the biggest 
sort of uh, effect that this episode has, the biggest contribution this episode has to the X-Files is the introduction of Crycheck, the young... Big time. The new uh, agent. And it's so cool. This guy... You know, I watched this episode and the next episode, and I, I never thought of it. This guy, like, when he first shows up, he's, like, such a clean cut. His energy when he's a good guy and when he's a bad guy is so different. It's a good actor right And not there. in any sort of arch way. Yeah, it's it's he's just feels different i feel like when he's a good guy he's like oh what do i do boss and yeah. then when he's a bad guy he's like oh i know what to do boss and i think that's why it works so well because Mulder like kind of writes him off like this fucking kid just... and so that way he can do his job better if Mulder doesn't three sees him as a threat playing dumb do you think and this is just a thought experiment had scully been with him do you think she would have picked up on it I don't know because, but Mulder is more paranoid anyway, but exactly. he's so like tunnel vision with his paranoia that he's sort of everything outside it. He completely discounts. Scully is much better at looking at a situation in an objective way and figuring it out. So maybe I, I think, think so. we see that with this, you know, you didn't watch, I don't know if you, you, you watched the deep throat episodes earlier, but you know, Scully's the one who's like, maybe we can't trust this deep throat guy yeah. and, Scully, and Mulder goes no 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 we can trust him so I think maybe you're right I think maybe if Scully was involved she would be able to catch on to Crycheck maybe so. quicker um, I thought their phone conversation that they have where <sighs> he's like oh I can't you know uh, what's the uh, so I wanna... lovely and oh, romantic she says must be nice not it's not romantic not at all it is lovely though <laughs> must be nice not having someone poking holes in your theories and he says yeah it's great I'm surprised at how I put up with you for so long it's not romantic, but it's like really like there's, a, there's a bond. It's romantic in the sense of right. like if you know you, you just it's a great romance. It's it's romantic in the sense of if you have two uh, colleagues who have great affection for each other and are separated. That's romantic. Yes, when they it speak is. again. Yeah, no, it's beautiful and the fact that they're separated a lot. And by but the way, great job you guys covering up that pregnancy. Way to go, everybody. Well a lot of lab coats, a lot of a lot of good stuff. I actually just pitched a story about uh, how we've hidden pregnancies throughout the history of TV and uh, movies because I am fascinated by it. Um, I think that's a great idea. Thank you. We'll see if it goes. Don't steal it, anybody. Uh, another way Mulder uses uh, George Hale as his code name, and George Hale was an astronomer who sort of had schizophrenia and would say that little elves would come and tell him ideas. And it makes so much sense. Whoa. One, I think it's super sweet. He's a real guy. I didn't know that. One, I think it's super sweet that Scully knows his, like, of course, George Hill, that's Mulder. Also, that's exactly how Mulder sees himself. Like this genius crusader guy and the world thinks he's talking to pixies and elves, but he's actually up to something real. You know, it, it makes perfect sense that he would mythologize his own life in that way. It, any relation to a Hale Bop, the Hale Bop uh, comment that goes through? Um, I I, oh, no, 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 no. I looked that up. Okay. I don't think the same George Hale. Although he was an astronomer. But I couldn't find anything on his Wikipedia page curious. about that. Um, I thought, I like how when Mulder goes to talk to the sleep person, sleep, sleep, who's like going through and is talking about how there's like 38 different insomnias and parasomnias. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard the word parasomnia before. Didn't know what it was. Um when she's like talking about brainwave patterns and by the way, modify brainwave patterns, that's never good, right? No, Nothing good comes bad, off yeah. that. But I think when she says like, 
alter somebody's dreams or something like that then Mulder is like oh yeah that's my shit all right now i'm <laughs> now locked I'm in board. away from science and in new dreamland <laughs> that's where i live is it something that no one can prove i'm all over it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm in there yeah exactly is it a crusade that will never come to fruition count me in please i'm your guy uh i think crycheck does such a good job of like being nice to Mulder and being like you know back at the academy some people made fun of you but i'm Oh, you're going to hurt my feelings. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Krychek knows exactly how to work Mulder, which, frankly, it's not that hard. You flatter him a little bit. You say a couple of things about Doesn't aliens. Doesn't take much. Doesn't take much. He's All a- you have to say, I don't think you're spooky and Mulder's got a boner. And I think that like him being like, with Mulder being like, oh, I trust this guy about Deep Throat. I don't know that Mulder's uh, ability to trust is amazing. <laughs> I don't know if he's correct on shit. He's just bad at it. <laughs> he just trusts You know how anyone. some people are just bad at picking romantic partners? <laughs> That's how Mulder is. Mulder's just bad at picking people to trust. Other than Scully. Other than Scully. He's just all over and the place. And that's why it makes it even more interesting that Scully does trust him. And she said it multiple times. Like, she's always like, you're the only one I trust. Like, yeah. why? This guy's a nut job. He's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't be. Let this guy go. He's like a, he's a hooker with a heart of gold, essentially. Although it seems like <laughs> the only other, she's just doing endless autopsies now. <laughs> that can't be a good. They put her in the autopsy area. Th- yeah. They're like, all right, so you guys are going to punish you. That's different levels of punishment. Mulder just sit there listening to boring conversations. She has to cut up dead bodies over and well, over. It was either that. I'm trying to think of other FBI jobs that would require flowing garments. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, we got autopsy and we got... A chef? Uh, you got to work in a shit... I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Those are the two. Undercover at the circus. <laughs> undercover at the circus she could do. Yeah. Uh, as a uh, person wearing... What are those called? Ponchos? Ponchos. Undercover in Mexico? It would have been so much funnier if they had her go undercover as a pregnant lady to break up like pregnant lady yeah. scams. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, mm, good. Yeah. Way to go, guys. Well done, guys. Hiding Little on the nose. Hiding in plain sight, are we? Uh, uh, that scene <laughs> where she's doing the autopsy and she's got the stomach in her hand when Mulder comes in and yeah. they're like happy to see each other even though she's holding a human stomach or whatever. Amazing. That was a wonderful scene. It's it so sweet funny. to like see them in the same room. You, you forget how much you take it for granted until, you know, it's taken away from you. And you see yeah. them like they're doing an autopsy. It's gross. The guy's all frozen or whatever. But they're... It's so sweet. Their yeah. connection is so and good. And I also think it's interesting because they're so taken with each other that they're kind of ignoring Crycheck. Oh, yeah. And then Crycheck comes. just there. Yeah. Crycheck comes in like, oh, hey, guys. Can, yeah. I, can I talk? Yeah. One thing I didn't love is that I do think it would have been better if Crycheck didn't reveal that Crycheck was a bad guy right in the first episode. Yeah. They should have done that. They, sh- they could have milked that for three episodes. They could have, I think, made that final scene a little more ambiguous. In yeah. some way, I, maybe not have the smoking man there. I don't know how, but make it like he's on a phone call and we only hear one part of the, his part of the phone call. So you, so you sort of, there's clues, but not that yeah. you actually see it yeah. happening. I think that would have been more successful anyway. I also, yeah, okay. Um, I also like when she's doing that autopsy, she goes, it's almost as if, and then she stops and Mulder's like, what? They have that conversation so many times. It's like, it's almost as if, what? Unicorns almost got him. <laughs> unicorns got him. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, as if his body believed it, that it was burning is what. And Mulder's like, fuck yeah, that's my shit. And I f- it's interesting. We have these two episodes back to back where it's in, it's in people's heads somewhat. Yeah, um, he's like sort of Freddy Kruegering people. He's sort of Freddy. But I also really like the idea of psychosomatic uh, injuries to yourself. I think that to me is a way more interesting idea than some guy projecting a dream thing into your brain. Well, this is what you said that I thought I was interesting. Um, 
that you said this episode for you would have been just as good if it wasn't a guy who could project himself into people's dreams. Yeah. If it was a guy who hadn't slept in 24 years mm-hmm. and they had done all this horrible shit, if it was just Tony Todd going and actually killing these people physically without magic. Yeah. But still have this X-File of them, you know, being experimented on. You said that that would have been more interesting to you. And I think that's an interesting idea. I think yeah. that would have been, I think that would have been cool. And there would have been an X-File. Visually, it wouldn't have looked as cool because you don't get the fire and you don't get the shooting and you don't get all and that. And you don't get stuff. like when those Vietnamese kids come in and they're all, yeah. that's a fucking very, very scary image. Yeah. But I, um, I think that would have been just as interesting. But I, I thought this was going in the thing of like psychosomatically somehow they're, they've convinced themselves that they are being shot. They've con- convinced themselves that they're on fire. Um, and so to me, the realization that like, oh, it's a guy projecting a dream state into him was not, that felt to me like a, a pulled punch a little bit. Like I just didn't feel like it was as strong as where my brain was going. And my brain usually never tops what X-Files is doing. Yeah. And the I, fact that it did, I thought was kind of not. I think maybe what you're reacting to is that the idea of him in dreams is such like a horror movie magic idea the leap for you was too big going from this experiment to a guy who can sort of enter dream space that was such a big leap for you that um it just you sort of disconnected it fell apart a little bit for me and then what does he have to point at them to make it happen like how does he know he's you know yeah Yeah, it's like pointing a remote at something you know (laughs) you you sort of it has to be clear the red dot has to be showing input what's the input here yeah yeah yeah, red dot has to be showing uh but i did think given that maybe the 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 x-file you sort of thought it was a little um far-fetched um it was still a good episode and done well little stuff like when whenever they talk to i noticed whenever they talk to one of the soldiers who have the scar who's been mm-hmm. through this the camera is really really close on their Super faces claustrophobic, yeah. yeah and it's very like off-putting and and it sort of shows their like state of mind you know like so whenever tony todd's on it's right on his face or he's del- or he's like bathed in darkness or the um uh, uh, the 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 uncle from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. The camera's really close to him. He's all sweaty and that guy's eyes. such a great actor. I wish he would turn up in more stuff. I think yeah. he's fantastic. Um, I also like the his name nickname Preacher is cool. And then when they find out later, Augustus Cole, you don't know if that's the guy. Oh, good point. That's yeah, a cool, like, like that. interesting thing of yeah. like still adding mystery. Like you don't know exactly that that's what they're the talking only part about. That's a bummer about that first scene where you see him walking and you see him like turn around and like look when he's on the stairway tony todd is that we all know who tony todd is and so i was like oh shit it's a tony todd episode i wish i didn't know who he was so i could be like oh is that a guy does that matter like i wish i didn't know that do you know what i mean yeah you clearly knew that he was a big gonna be a big part of the episode that was a yeah i love when actors really big actors turn up and stuff and then they don't they just come and go michael k williams 12 years a slave great example yes yeah um that's funny. I'm playing Battlefield 4 and Michael K. Williams is in it. I love when he turns up and stuff. And you really, I think that almost in 12 Years a Slave, I almost think it was like a joke, even though that movie has no jokes yeah. in it really, of like, oh yeah, that guy you know is a badass? Watch. When Mulder um, <laughs> goes... Like, anyway, Mulder. Yeah, we're just trying to just trying to get back on track. <laughs> You're going off in 12 Years a Slave. Uh, this, this is a 12 Years a Podcast. Uh, <laughs> well done. Here, um, you get a high all right. that. When Mulder uh, goes to the sleep uh, expert guy and he says that they had to move Augustus call because he was disrupting people's sleep and then Mulder asked him what he means and he doesn't respond so he's okay telling Mulder a little bit of it but not all of it like he shouldn't have said he was disrupting their sleep how anyway here he is 
That's dumb. Don't, 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 don't do that. He also says, I think that's the guy who says, no, Mr. X shows up, who's the new Deep Throat. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the first time you see him. That's the first time Mulder sees him. That's a great actor, too. I miss that guy. By the way, that hangar has like red and purple lights. It's like, yeah, he was like, we got to meet that. The lighting's way too good. <laughs> we got to go to that hangar. It is cinematic as fuck. I look great with like dark shadows on my face. And that's what we're really going for. I noticed that Mr. X is way more in shadow than Deep Throat was. He's a little more like okay. His motives are a little. He, he's a little more selfish. He doesn't want to put himself out there mm-hmm. as much. He wants to sustain the shadow. So I think that works really well. With, by the way, with, if Watergate had not given us Deep Throat in a parking garage, I wonder where things would have taken place in TV shows and movies for the next, well, last, for, next for X Files for sure. X Files yeah. would not have been happening, right? Yeah, he says sleep is a soldier's greatest enemy. Which I'm like, no, I think other soldiers <laughs> are the soldier's greatest enemy, right? <laughs> sleep is like. Well, and I would imagine foot fungus is up there. Foot fungus is up there. <laughs> I mean, those rations must taste horrible, right? That's gotta be. That's gotta be. Anyway. Anyway, war. Um. Oh, thirteen men killed four thousand people. Like that is fucking horrifying. Yeah, that's a very large number. Horrifying. And then when Mulder, when Krychek runs into Mulder, finally he's like, "Where were you?" It's like he's like a lame like friend. Like, were you guys hanging out without me? Yeah. Are you guys doing that? Um. I also thought this one did a great job of Scully and Mulder working separately, like doing different mm-hmm. things. They've done that a lot so far this season. I think it works really well. And doesn't something interesting, don't they They rob both of them at the end of the episode? They rob both of them? It, yes. Yeah. So Crycheck takes something from Mulder and someone else comes to Scully's apartment and takes that evidence. Now, and because I'm not, I, I don't remember the episodes as well, does, and you've seen the ones after this, when Mulder... Mulder finds that the thing that was in his car that he didn't show anybody was in his car, the envelope of all the reports, is gone. Does he suspect Krychek? Um, I don't know. Interesting. I don't want to say. Okay. Yeah. I think that would be maybe my first. Be like, well, who was in my car? Uh, the other thing, two things. One, I mentioned Freddy Krueger. There should have been a part where they're like, where, when he when he tells Scully his theory, she should have been like, like Freddy Krueger, kind of? Like calling it out. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's fucking, well, it's not even calling it out. It's Nightmare on Elm Street, those movies. Yeah. I'm sure they're aware of those movies. So when he's like, I think he's entering their dreams, she should be like, you mean like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that everyone knows about? <laughs> but also, they're not sleeping either. So he's not even entering their dreams. He's entering their con- their brains. They're not dreaming. He's right. giving them dreams. He's giving them dreams. Because they're not sleeping. Um. I thought the idea that they could cut off part of their brains and then give them serotonin, it feels weirdly plausible, kind of, that you could cut off part of the brain that sleeps and then just give people the chemicals that sleep produces. Seems sort of crazily doable, right? It does seem doable, but I don't think that we have the ability to create all the chemicals that sleep produces. No, I'm not saying that we can do it, but it just feels like that's what I liked about this one is that there's a. uh, that it starts from a very real place and then it goes into like magic, but yeah. But also, I just really like sleep. I feel like it's great. Yeah, I love sleep. Yeah, but I'd if so I could, they, you know, they told them you could live two lifetimes. I would totally give up sleep forever. What, honey? If I didn't have to sleep, I wouldn't sleep. It'd be amazing. As my husband, it'd be amazing. You love sleeping. I do love sleeping, but only because of how I feel when I wake up. If I could just feel like that, I would stay up all night Don't watching you movies. Love being tired and stuff, like having like, oh, I'm gonna go get in my bed. I'll be sleep when when you know. Only because I think of how good it'll feel the next day. Sometimes you're tired. You come home from a trip. You shower. You want to get in bed and sleep. But if you didn't have that feeling, if you would just so, what would you do all night? 
I'd watch movies, I'd play video games, I'd write. I'd have a great time. I'd have a great time. You know the excitement of staying up all night? It's so fun. It still is exciting. That's every night. What would you do to when it's time to like shut your brain off and like get like a... I wouldn't have to shut my brain off. That's the whole point. See, but I think that's the thing that sleep provides that nothing can replace. It's like just that like I will not have stimulation coming... But, but I mean if all that is taken away. If that's not a factor, okay. I would totally... I would totally take not sleeping for the rest of my life. I don't think I would. I don't, I'm happy with the amount of life I've got left, whatever it is. I'm cool. I don't need to double that shit. I want shit. twice as much. <laughs> that makes me quite happy. And I love that. And I love you. And if you did it, I would do it with you. Really? Yeah, I'd do it with you. We would both do no sleeping forever? I just regretted saying that. But yeah, yeah, I think I would. Yeah. It'd be so fun. Would you want me there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd watch... We'd I mean, have fun nighttime. Like last night, we were playing Wolf Among Us, which is a fun game. Great we would have... Played it all night. We would have beat it. We would have finished we it. We would have been like, we need more shows to watch. Friday Night Lights, come at me. Oh my God. We'd be <laughs> through Friday Night Lights. We'd be through Orphan Black. We, I mean, Fargo. We haven't seen Fargo. We should do this just for television watching. I've honestly <laughs> thought of this specific fantasy of like not having to sleep as being an awesome thing. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Mulder kind of bullies Crycheck a little bit. Yes. Like, you, are you writing this down? Like, I wanted him to call him Rook. Like, he really does um, do that. I, I thought one thing I was like, well, I don't like when they say stuff and don't show it. This episode is a lot of saying this horrible stuff we did. I thought it really worked in this because I don't want to see that. Yeah, That's probably don't. too intense. But it somehow makes it darker, the sense that this is something crazy and dark and secret that happened 24 years ago and you see little flashes of it in the context of today so like those kids that are dead show up in the room and that kind of stuff so you get glimpses of it but you the images you create in your head are much more terrifying and i thought that i thought that was a, that that part worked really really well for me yeah yeah, I thought I did too. I definitely didn't want to see a flashback any of that shit. Not at yeah, all. Yeah, and I was afraid that it was going to be sort of boring because you want to see the stuff, not, well, and that's not where just they, talk about it. That's but they, where the fantasies come in. Can you imagine if they'd filmed it where the whatever dreams Tony Todd put in their heads that you only see their reaction to it and not what's actually happening? Like, it would be the worst. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting shot. They'd have to explain you guys, everything. I've been shot so many times by little children. There's fire. My body thinks there's fire. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of the kids' eyes is a bandage with blood on it. I, he's shooting me. I'm burning. I'm burning right now. Um, also, so this is the 24-year and two-day massacre. You think Candyman? I'm just going to call him Candyman. You right. think Candyman was just waiting to be like, all right, it's going to be on the anniversary. What? On the 24th. 24th anniversary. It's going to be on so the anniversary. Funny. You think he was like, should I wait one more year, 25th Maybe anniversary? 25? You know, that's like a silver jubilee or whatever. That will be cool. broke out of... He broke out of his they just very tiny room. No, they let him out. Oh, because he convinced them to. Yeah. His room was too small. His room was very small, but you know, he's done there. some bad stuff. But I thought that was that's funny that he's like, it's going to be on the anniversary <laughs> just so the FBI guys have an easier time solving this case. That's true. He really did help just them a lot. Just so it can link it. I mean, just for that reason, we got to do it. Um, I was really bummed that I couldn't look up anything on cry check i wrote down snot nosed little shit but it's bummed that the message boards weren't working i really wanted to see that i never thought of him as a snot nosed little shit i thought of him as like a young i was like ooh, maybe he's gonna be the new like like an eager beaver yeah um uh that scene where they're all all the dead soldiers show up and they pick up the knives the little scalpels that's 
fucking creepy as fuck, isn't it? In yeah. the dark. Little kids with knives is always scary. Um, they reference Phineas Gage. That's an obvious thing. Mm-hmm. People, we've, you know, that's a commonly known fact. This guy got a railroad spike through his head and became an asshole after that. What I thought was cool was at the end when Mulder, this guy, you know, uh, Candyman's going to jump and kill himself. And Mulder's like, don't kill yourself. It seemed to me Mulder in that moment was being very selfish. He was just, this guy clearly needed to die. Yeah. And that was clearly his release. He needed rest. Mulder's like, but I want to find out the answers. M- Mulder wanted to find out the answers. Yeah. And I thought that, that this was one situation where Mulder's like humanity was overshadowed by his his like need to find out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, like what did he think he was going to get out of this conversation? Be like, you're right, Mulder. Your yeah. suspicions were correct. I put myself in their brains and now I will go die and you'll still well he just wanted proof i think he just wants any kind of proof that government is up to shit it used to be that the government alien conspiracy is a big thing he wants to prove and now he's like anything i'll take anything yeah you know how they got al capone on tax fraud that's what he's trying to do with the government now well done good analogy yeah like anything how we got oj on like the next when he tried to like steal his rings back or whatever that's right his clothes back that's what this is he's in prison now forever um I thought this was cool where uh, Mulder's trust issues with Deep Throat. Someone asked him, do you trust him, the new guy? And he like sort of doesn't know. Um, I mean, he did just meet him. That's accurate. This we have to say, this scary thing at the end when Crycheck is talking to a cigarette smoking man. And he says, what are we going to do? And he says... Uh, uh, do it in a voice. Every problem has a solution. That's what the cigarette smoking man says. That's a fucking creepy, scary thing to say, huh? Yeah, it's very scary. Every problem has a solution and then he puts out the cigarette what the fuck yeah what's That's gonna happen i mean you know wait are you doing a team again i was doing a team again wow. i'm sorry oh the part where i wanted to say that when Mulder and scully are talking to each other and they're saying the thing about like uh yeah i don't know how i put up with you for so long mm-hmm. there's totally like a no you hang up first vibe oh, to it. like no you hang up first so it's cute. got that vibe to it very sweet um so overall this episode i really liked it uh, very creepy, really great bad guy who's sort of understandable. Again, in this one and in the last one, both the bad guys, very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. This guy, and totally different energies. Tony Todd is a, a Candyman's a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. William Sanderson is not a badass. Sad ass. He's a sad ass. And, yeah, he's a sad ass. This guy's a badass. And they totally both work as bad guys. I think the best bad guys are ones where you sort of see what they're up to. Like Absolutely. you're on their side a little bit. I thought I thought that's why these these episodes worked in that way. Well, Crycheck's kind of a madass. Um, do you want to say anything about this episode? Um, do you ever more. grade them? I was trying to think of what my grades would be for these episodes. I don't, but what would your grades be? I, uh, I would say for the first one, for Blood, I would say maybe A-. minus. For this one, I would say B+. Plus. Okay. I would yeah. sort of give B+, plus to both of them. I thought about B+, plus and then I thought maybe one of them should get an A. Um, and of the two, I did like Blood better, I would say. Than oh, you did? One. I like Sleepless so. better. That's interesting. I think that as an, yeah, as an episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the acting was great in both. Stories are great in both. I, you know, the little, the Crycheck stuff is really good and maybe that should have taken it over. But I think overall, I think I like Blood better. Well, you got to sort of evaluate it on its own. The Crycheck stuff is going to be something that pays yeah. off and gets bigger as it goes. So it's obviously an important episode in that respect, but you should evaluate it on its own. I did. Um, so Howard Gordon was written, was who's the writer of this, was uh, 
assigned to write an installment of the X-Files without a collaborator. He's This made me... Because he's created Homeland. He's done a bunch of amazing stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. These guys created Homeland. I had some insecurity in the beginning. I was on my own and had to investigate all new processes. And he talks a lot about how he was very scared to do this. That gave me a lot of confidence. I was like, oh, if a guy was really great at his job and worked on the fucking X-Files yeah. and cr- later went on to create Homeland can have like this kind of self-doubt, then... I guess maybe that's something that, you know, having self-doubt isn't a sign that you're not good at something. Yeah. People although it just, can be. <laughs> although it can be. Um, he had initially written an entirely different story, which he didn't like by the time he realized it. There was only two weeks away from the time his script was due. He stayed awake over two consecutive nights, unable to sleep. Ooh, due to anxious panicking. I was so anxious, I figured my career was over. This is all from X-Files Confidential. I figured I was done. I had no talent. I was history. Not being able to sleep for two nights, I began to think, gee, what if somebody couldn't ever sleep? So isn't that cool? Like wow. his uh, stress from writing kept him up and that gave him the idea for it. He this. was like, I'm history. History. Yeah. The Vietnam history. War. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, that's really awesome that he yeah. came up with that. Over- what was the original uh, story? I wonder? And then he was just eating a lot of candy. That's how he got the idea for Tony Todd. Well, and then somehow his cat scratched his, the back of his neck. Yeah. Like, oh, perfect. Yeah. This is like sort of like a usual suspect. Yeah. Or um, oh, There's a second reference to usual suspects. Too many. Too many. Chris Carter, uh, he, he he came in and told him the idea um, of the sleepless soldier, uh, of the sleepless person. And Chris Carter had the idea to try to a super soldier kind of thing. Okay. So that was his idea. Again, these are two disparate ideas sort of put together. A guy can't sleep. Oh, I bet his original idea was a guy who was so tortured by what he did yeah. in Vietnam that he couldn't sleep. But I like the idea that, like, no, they made you this way. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe. I, I like that. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rob Bowman said he really liked the moment where the guy, like, has a relieved expression before he sh- gets shot. And yeah. apparently he says just at the moment he realizes he's going to be killed, he closes his eyes, rolls his head back, and thinks to himself, it's over. Finally, relief. I can sleep. That was something I put in there because Howard Gordon had talked a lot about how these guys have been suffering for 24 years. If they know they're going to be killed, there should be a moment of release there. So that wasn't in the script. That was the director's idea. The director was just like, yeah, he just has a moment of like yeah. comfort. And then throw, was it his Bible that he throws down? Like uh, you, The last shot of like his little thing, I think, is of his Bible. Of Candyman? Yeah. Candyman holds up his Bible and they think it's a gun. Crycheck sees it as a gun. Oh, that's Again, what it is. That's yes. vague. You yes. can't tell if Crycheck sh- shoots him on purpose because well, Crycheck want... saw the gun. I think. I think he did because so it was murder by cop. I think it works both it ways. It works both ways. Yeah, works both ways. That's oh. right. That that last scene is to show that it was a Bible and that was not a gun. You're right. Yeah. This is a weird thing. Uh, there's is an alternate the version of the, huh? I said, what is he? The NYPD. That was a oh yeah, terrible, yeah. very very socially political. Conscious. This episode's production included an alternate version of the scene in which Mulder has a clandestine meeting with X, in which that character was played by actress Natalia Nogulich rather than Stephen Williams. Um, they had written this character as a woman. Mister X was always in every script was a woman. They shot it with a woman. Decided it didn't work. Went back and got the guy. And that scene. Mm-hmm. They went so when Mulder's talking, he's talking to a woman. Oh, interesting! And just Mr. X, they reshot. Wow! So, so half that scene, Mulder's side was shot with Natalia Nogulich. I wonder why it didn't work. They inserted the footage in. I don't know. We had to figure out how to shoot his close-ups to match with the ones that already shot with David That's Duchovny. Interesting. 
Isn't that crazy? It must suck to be that actress. Do you think that David Duchovny tried to have sex with her? Oh, come on, <laughs> That's Emily. That's why I uh, uh, He's giving too much of a fucky vibe, so. <laughs> Deep uh, throat. I'll just write your own joke there. I don't even need to say it, do oh, I? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I'm saying this as David Duchovny. X is like, you know, sex, like XXX, triple X. You used to call movies triple X instead of porn. I used to. I mean, we all did. Instead of porn, it was triple X, right? There's a great song by, by an artist named Peaches called Triple X Double A about how she has tiny breasts and likes to have a lot of sex. Great. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> trivia. Random <laughs> trivia by Emily Gordon. Uh, this was Howard Gordon's personal favorite from all the episodes in the second season of The X-Files. I like the interplay between Mulder and Scully and the opportunity to again explore their relationship in the absence of their partnership. That gave me a good dramatic opportunity. I also liked introducing Crycheck. It was my first one alone, so I liked climbing that particular mountain. It was significant to me at that level. Rob Bowman, uh, I'm particularly proud of Sleepless. I thought everything gelled beautifully. I was really on the same page with Howard Gordon. I loved the cast. Um, uh, Chris Carter really liked it. Always one of my favorite episodes. Uh, very well executed, beautifully directed. There's an interesting idea at work here about sleeplessness because sleep is the place where our demons are released in our dreams and the twist on this is that in sleeplessness, these men become demonized by their inability to go into that part of their brain, to have that rest that is as much a part of life as waking. That's an interesting way of looking at it. That is certainly it. true that you use sleep to like process, uh, to process things. And they, these guys have never been able to use that part of their brains to process what they did yeah. on top of it being horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really good. Um, all right, so thank you so much for coming and talking about the X-Files with me, Emily. Well, thank you, Camille, for having me. Um, I'm going to go back inside the house. <laughs> All right, you go back inside the house. I'm going to record another episode. Plug your stuff. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm at the Gynamite on Twitter. That's T-H-E-G-Y-N-O-M-I-T-E. And uh, you can listen to my podcast, which is The Indoor Kids, every Monday at the Nerdist Network. And you can watch uh, the television show uh, that you and I do together called The Meltdown with Joan and Camille every Wednesday after at midnight on Comedy Central. Thanks, bud. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Next week's episodes are Dwayne Barry and Ascension, probably one of my favorite two-parters in the entire X-Files run, uh, Dwayne Barry. I mean, th these are two very different episodes that work so great together. Uh, and I'm going to have Paul Shear on, who's a comedian. Many of you know him. He's fantastic, hilarious. And he is a huge old-school X-Files fan. So it's a really great episode coming up next week. Again, email me at thexfilesfiles at gmail.com, Twitter at xfilesfiles. The X-Files Files subreddit is getting a lot of uh, uh, great conversation there. Please go and vote for us. I mean, on iTunes, give us a high rating. Give us five stars. Um, and uh, thank you for listening. Again, this episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace.com slash X-Files Files for 10% off or just enter the offer code X-Files Files. You'll get 10% off to support this show. Uh, thank you for listening.
want to tell you guys about a really cool thing that Randy and I have been working on, and Dan's been involved in this in, as well. Yes, uh, we're building a fort. We are building a fort. <laughs> in no, some ways, we kind of are. A comedy fort of One sorts. of my favorite things that I see on social media is when someone posts a text chain between them and their mom, or mm-hmm. them and a funny friend. Or two comedians. Two comedians, and you get to see the interaction back and forth, which is so fun. At times, there are text chains that we are on, the three of us, that oh, are yeah. the funniest things ever that only the three of us get to see. So we had the idea, with long with a couple other people wouldn't it be great to allow people to be a fly on the wall of these conversations that happen between funny friends of ours and funny people just back and forth to us it would be really fun and so that is sort of the germ of the idea of a special app called banter and we want you guys to try it and check it out all you got to do is sign up for it. it's free find it in the app store it's called banter b-a-n-t-e-r uh, get the app it's free and we want you guys to check it out and just pick conversations that are between two people and it the conversations play out in real time and you get to hear it it's curated so nobody's going to be embarrassed right. it's the best stuff but again if you have a couple of minutes you're sitting on the toilet you're waiting for a train you're hanging out so you, when you want something because I so many times this happens to me where I want a, just a quick blast of something blast funny a quick blast of something and Twitter doesn't give it to me I want to see this conversation happening between two really funny people people yeah. and just get a laugh we all need that in our day so in order to do that check out banter and just download the app and uh, let us know what you think about it